Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, it's been a busy week in real estate and for those of you that made it out to the Simple Seminar on Thursday night, it was a pleasure to meet all of you. A fabulous group and uh, great supporters of News Talk 1010. So first and foremost, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in here at the station. Um, And, uh, you know, lots of fun. Love, love doing the seminars, you know, and the feedback and a lot of the questions. And so um, I'm going to get back to that in a second. Just so you know, I've got uh, Dave Butler. He's going to be joining me uh, in a few minutes uh, here, and we're going to be talking about interest rates, what's going on. A little bit later on in the hour, I've got uh, Tim Sirianos, uh, former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, joining me. And uh, we are going to talk about the real estate market, of course. But um, flipping back to the seminar for a second, uh, by the way, we do have our next one scheduled. If you weren't able to make it out on Thursday night, the next one's coming up on April the 25th at 7 p.m. That's a Thursday. And uh, you want to go to thesimpleinvestor.com to make sure you register for that if you weren't able to make it to our seminar or if you're con- even considering buying investment real estate this year. You know, lots of opportunities out there. Uh, we're going to talk about who makes the best tenant and, of course, where to buy. A lot of the new rules and regulations. And did the Liberal government get it right? Are the incentives that they're throwing out there, are they going to make any sense? And, you know, as I was saying, during the during the seminar, it was, uh, you know, a lot of great questions, of course, that that get thrown out. And a lot of times people ask about the ability to have multiple properties, multiple investment properties. One of the things that I I always encourage is that before you really get started down this road, you do want to meet with a couple of lenders and give them an idea of a who you are and what you want. So if you're going saying, hey, listen, you know what, I want to create a a real estate portfolio, a few properties. This is roughly what we've got that we're going to be putting down. You know, um, get that ball started first, because before you go running out trying to buy properties, you want to make sure you're qualified. So getting a, getting that kind of pre-qualification is very important. But also make sure you line yourself up with a good lawyer and a good accountant. Because if you're going to start opening and, and getting into investment real estate, remember folks, it's a business. And that's the one thing that we always try to convey to everybody is that if you are going to own investment properties, you are in the business of real estate and you are in the business of being a landlord, unless of course you have somebody else do it like us. But ultimately in the end, you know, you've got to treat this. It can't be just kind of that whimsical, you know, hey, I'm going to put the, the rent in my back pocket, cash, you know, we're all set. So you need to treat it like a business. And that's one of the things that we try to convey always. But, uh, you know, it's a good question that gets asked because there are people that want to own multiple properties and and so you should if you can. And it's really important that you get started on the right foot. And this is one of those important things. So making sure you've got the right people backing you is going to be very important for success in the future. And, you know, I know I beat up a lot of times on banks and lenders and all sorts of things. And But the one thing that you do is that when you've created a good partnership, it's going to make, you know, it's going to make your life a heck of a lot easier. And speaking of making lives easier, I am now joined by Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And uh, welcome back, Dave. Hey, how you doing, Todd? Nice to uh, talk to you. Oh, great to have you on. So uh, since you and I last talked, a uh, lot of stuff hitting the fan and the wall at the same time here. Um, you know, federal budget, all sorts of things happening. So uh, can you kind of give us your take on what's going on in the big bad world of mortgages? Well, lots of stuff going on. Uh, we've got uh, we've got interest rates going down on the fixed side, and we've got uh, variable rates staying the same. And uh, in terms of interest rates, it's pretty interesting that we are now sitting in a position where fixed rates, the five-year fixed rate, is lower 
than the five-year variable with pretty much most lenders. And you and I know that's not something that will can last very long. It's, it's an abnormality. Um, and then, of course, this federal budget, 2019, with these uh, changes, I think, you know, from our from the standpoint of a lot of mortgage brokers, and I know even realtors uh, like yourself that, that, that I've talked to, um, the idea that they did not make any change to the amortization or the stress test was uh, a bit of a, a bit of an issue. Um, but it looks like uh, they've gone off the rails and decided they're going to give people money uh, to help them with their down payment. Uh, but uh, the reality is the people still have to pay the money back. So I don't necessarily know um, how great overall this is. I think it's got a nice pop to it, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know really how this is going to all go. And then of course we've got the extra increase uh, as people that are buying homes, first time buyers are now able to, borrow up to 35000 or use up to 35000 of their RSP, but again, having to pay it back over time. But well, it, it just uh, I was in Europe for a couple of weeks and came back, and it's just been like a bomb watching everything go off. It's been pretty interesting. Yeah, and Dave, you know, one of, one of the things, um, my, my take on it, of course, because we were reporting on it basically live as it was being announced, and one of the things, of course, was the fact that, you know, when we talk about the RSPs, uh, I, I think that's kind of a bit of a thud, because, you know, most, most of the people that are going to be using RSPs, we talk about first-time homebuyers, um, most first-time homebuyers don't have $35,000 in their RSPs, uh, in, you know, in the first place, so I think, I think that was kind of a, a bit of a, a waste of error in most cases, but, you know, it's okay. There are some people that if they're able to do it, you know, puts them a little bit further into debt and more that they have to repay. But let's go back to the partnership of CMHC. And, you know, for clarity, of course, when when people are using CMHC, the high ratio mortgages that they're dealing with, they're also starting off, of course, with a substantial insurance fee. So if you're only putting 5% down, 4.5% fee on that, uh, you know, it's pretty hefty. So they don't have a lot of skin in the game. And yet now you're going to have a partner in the government in the ownership of the property. You know, and and again, this is this is this is a promise that's going to come to fruition maybe just before election time. And you know, is was it more to gain votes? Because quite frankly, you know, all the people that we've been talking to here on the show, they just don't see this being a real game changer. Uh, I I share the same thoughts. I mean, I think this is more pop than anything. I think this is uh, this is just, this is the nice optic. Um, you know, we, we still don't know the actual breakdown of this. For instance, you know, the program says if you're buying a property and you're putting down 5% down, they're going to match another 5% down so that it's 10% down. Well, now, do we know what's going to happen? Is it is the insurance premium that CMHC charges, is that going to stay based on 5% down or is that going to go to 10% down? Because that's a significant change in the premium. We are, you're talking over 1% difference. So what's going to happen there? Is CMHC just going to pocket the insurance premium as if it's 5% down? Or is CMHC going to actually then allow the client to pay less of a premium based on the fact that it's a total of 10% down? We don't even know that yet. They're, they're saying that we're going to get more details of this as it's rolled out. So that rate alone, the fact that they don't have a lot of these details for us tells me this was something kind of thrown together to try to get some pop and some fizzle. Um, and I, I agree with you. you know, it's, it's very interesting this comes at a time when the election is uh, what, maybe six months away. 
Yeah. Um, so also, uh, the other week, Dave, we heard that uh, from the, the Fed in the U.S., they have decided that they're not going to increase rates at all the rest of the year. And they've actually hinted that they could actually bring the rates down a little. You know, a little bit earlier, you had alluded to, you know, the fact that we're playing around with fixed and variables, looking at them, and they're, they're kind of almost the same. You know, normally the thing that affects, obviously, the variable is the, the Bank of Canada rate. You know, Bank of Canada normally follows the Fed. You know, it looks like they're saying that they're not going to do anything to rates this year as well. Um, do, you, do you see the potential here in Canada of them doing a discount of any form? Um, my, my personal thoughts on this is that I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty hard-pressed to think the Bank of Canada will reverse course. And what I mean by that is, you know, we just came off the bottom of the interest rate cycle in August of 2017, where the government finally increased prime rate for the first time in seven years. Um, the, the, rea- the reality is, I don't know if they're in a position where they're going to want to reverse course. I think that the U.S. Fed deciding that they are not going to increase this year, or at least putting that out there, definitely gives notice to the Bank of Canada that you know they are likely not in a position to raise it. I do, and I think you and I both kind of believe that the government here in Canada, wished they could raise the prime rate this year. I think the U.S. Fed becoming dovish is likely going to allow, you know, have the Bank of Canada not do that. Um, but in the in the weird interim, we've seen the bond yields basically start to plummet and just keep testing support levels since January, very unexpectedly. Um, and this is a, a huge, huge discount on fixed rates. I mean, we are we are now seeing five-year fixed rates lower than the variable rate, which. You and I both know generally the variable rate is one to one and a half percent better than the fixed rate at all times. So we've got ourselves a very interesting situation. Um, and it, it's in a weird way as a mortgage broker, I'm looking at this thing. This just seems all unbalanced to me. This is this does seem very, very off. But uh, you know, good, good going to the consumers that are able to get these lower fixed rates and lock in. because Who knows what's going to happen? This is the year of questions. We thought it was last year, <laughs> you and I, and I think we started to figure out the answer. And then now there just seems to be kind of we've hit a block and we've got to kind of see how this, how this all unfolds in the next couple of months. Yeah. Dave, what, uh, if people are going to anticipate looking at a fixed rate five-year mortgage right now, um, what kind of numbers are floating around in the ether? We are absolutely back into the low threes now. We are seeing in the low threes. I mean, I am... I will not be shocked if these bond yields keep coming down. I think a 2.99 five-year fixed rate is definitely on the horizon coming into this spring and summer market. So, I mean, right now you're looking at uh, some of the big banks. They have, they have. We started the year what in the high threes, approached the low fours, and now we're seeing close to the you know 3.29, 3.19. I you know even lower potentially. We're it's, the rates have been changing on the fixed side every couple of days in terms of going down. So um, it's been wild. There's some volatility right now in the in the interest rate market. Yeah. Well, Dave, listen, it's always a, a, pleasure, a pleasure to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, thanks so much for your feedback on it. And best way for our, uh, our listeners to reach you? Best way for to reach me is uh, certainly at our website at butlermortgage.ca. Last for Dave Butler. And you can always reach us at our office. That's one triple eight. Six eight four eight three two six. Excellent. Well, thanks, Dave. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. My pleasure. God, take care. Excellent, folks. That was Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And coming up after the break, I have Tim Sirianos, former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this.
And welcome back. So my guest now in the studio with me is Tim Sirianos, and he is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate, and he is also the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board and a frequent guest here. Tim, thanks so much for coming in today. Always a pleasure and happy to be back. Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, last time we talked, you know, they were uh, we were looking at a different map. I think we've got some uh, some changes in, in the midst. I'm not going to say all positive, but <laughs> lots for us to talk about today. And of course, uh, you know, since you are on the ground all the time with uh, with your realtors, you know what's going on in the marketplace. So we are going to touch on that, of course. But you know, one of the things uh, which was a hot topic, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, was this you know monumental budget that was released by the Liberal government, of course, federally. I didn't get your take on it yet because I, but I do want to, you know to kind of get your your clarity on it. You know, some of these promises that are being made. Uh, first and foremost, let's start about start off with the idea that CMHC could be a partner in your ownership of owning a home. Well, that was quite a twist. I didn't see that one coming in any way. Um, I don't see how that's going to be much of a benefit to the majority of buyers out there, and I can't see why people would want to have a partnership with the government to begin with. I was watching it intently. I, I wanted to be there and see every little thing that they were going to sh- you know, share with us because um, we've been through, what, two years now of policies being thrown at this marketplace, being thrown at consumers with the idea of cooling this market. And what they've done is not just cool it, they've created a psychological barrier. They've created um, uh, affordability problems, um, less first-time buyers being able to buy. They've made it more expensive. And if anything, they've done everything around the real estate market and the whole economy as a whole has stopped right. to, to many times. Because as we've said before, Todd, every single home that sells uh, has about a $70,000 spinoff component to it. So people, if they're not buying homes, they're not going to be buying carpet. They're not going to be painting. There's no landscaping. There's no ceramic tiling. Uh, you know, there's no fences. There's I no mean, land transfer tax going to the government. Oh, and do you mind if I comment on this one? I sure. mean, I was at a deputation. Um, I had the privilege with the Toronto Real Estate Board to be at City Hall. And before the actual uh, meeting, I asked the the amazing staff at Toronto Real Estate Board, can I just use like four or five words? And they're like, four or five words? Yeah, I told you so. That's four <laughs> words, right? So they said, please don't do that, Tim. That's not why we're going there. So I had this amazing report. Uh, there were the counselors that were there. I've spoken to personally. They're fantastic people. They have a tough job. I get it. Um, I, I read this report to them about the land transfer tax, the dependence of it. And a counselor, which I will not say who it was, looked at me and said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. All this stuff you read. Couldn't you just said, I told you so? <laughs> and um, the gentleman beside me, you know, kind of giggled and, and they said, well, we're not here to tell you I told you so. We're here to, to point out once again that you cannot depend on this tax. It's an unfair tax. So two weeks later, they're talking about increasing the tax by another half a percent. You know, and that's uh, that's definitely one of our topics today to have a discussion um, because I do want to talk about the land transfer tax with you on this, obviously. You know, uh, Toronto Real Estate Board now, um, you know, there is a new president that's, you know, doing a good job. Um, but, you know, the overall board itself, you know, you, as you said, you've got a great group of professionals. You analyze things. They did write a, uh, you know, uh, I guess some form of letter urging the Toronto City Council to, um, you know, to make sure that they don't do this, because it, if you if you turn around with Toronto and you now increase your land transfer tax a little bit more, I mean, you know, I, really, 
After what we've experienced over the last two years, as you said, there were a lot of measures put in to put cool off the market. I mean, just how many times do you think the tire can go around until it finally goes flat? And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're looking at the marketplace and, you know, the impact on adding some taxes again to buyers, uh, the people that are already struggling to buy, um, you know, and of course, you know, you were, you know, huge advocate, obviously, uh, trying to work for, for the general public, trying to make sure that, A, they get educated, but also have the means to be able to do things. You know, when we take a look at new taxes, you know, what, do, where do you see the fallout? I mean, can, can the market drop by another 10%? And I don't mean value. I just mean in general activity, if something like this comes in. Well, anytime you're going to add another tax, another burden to the consumer, they're going to start looking at maybe staying put and renovating. Right. And if they renovate and they don't move then what, what's going on is you're going to have even a tighter, you know, less supply in the marketplace and put more pressure. So, uh, I mean, a lot of people are starting to become more pessimistic in the real estate market and they're thinking to themselves, um, should I be waiting even longer? And the more people start to sit on their hands and do nothing, we start to go down the wrong road. And that's going to affect jobs. It's going to affect other sectors of the, the whole economy. I mean, uh, most Canadians sometimes feel that Toronto has this attitude that they're the center of the universe. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, at the same time, when we're downtown Toronto, I mean, I don't want people to think that the real estate is at the center of the universe either. However, every indicator shows that the spinoff business is comes from real estate. Yeah, so we want to encourage people to move. We want to encourage, we don't want people, we want, we want to encourage people to downsize. Mm-hmm. We want to encourage people to move up. We want to encourage uh, people who are renting to look at buying. I mean, when you're looking at rents right now being somewhere around the $2,200 a month, yep. and um, if they were to pay a mortgage, they'd be paying $1,800 a month. Right. But they don't qualify to buy based on the new OSFI rules. Right. Even at, $1,800 a month or $1,900 a month, sure. we are creating this market. These policies are the barrier to a free-flowing economy. Yeah. Well, you know, and just to kind of wrap up the tax aspect of things, um, you know, when we talk about land transfer tax, of course, when the government starts putting in such measures, one of the things that they were counting on and they did not see was uh, the lack of, I think it was $800 million was the was the overall number that, they were, it, that, yes. they, were, that they were counting on, yes. which they did not get. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the suggestions, of course, is that you should never count on something like that. You should not put, be putting that on your spreadsheet the year before saying, mm-hmm. oh, but we're going to collect this because of everything that's being put into place now, um, you know, to cool the market. I mean, when when we take a look at the overall number, when we finished off 2018, you know, roughly 77,000 uh, resale and, and transactions, right? So, you know, that's really two ends, somebody buying and then mm-hmm. the other one, somebody selling. And so, you know, call it 40, you know, 100, 154,000, whatever. But the point was, is that, you know, this is... Again, you know, putting a halt into what was a, you know, a, a very strong economy and the government was counting on those taxes. And uh, the message uh, from the real estate industry to uh, city council has been, you're relying on this tax too much. Mm-hmm. And finally, they're going to see that they have relied on it too much. And this half percent increase, if passed, will not make up the shortfall. <laughs> so this is, this is something that they need to look at making a tough decision spreading the taxes across a bigger tax base, the very unpopular comment I'm making, it's just the reality. If we were to lower the land transfer tax and spread that amongst every household in Toronto, 
it'd be a much fair tax. It would be a much fair way of, of the city of Toronto being able to pay for services. Yeah. Um, Tim, I'm going to ask you for you to uh, stay put. When we come back, though, I want to get back on that liberal budget uh, hmm. horse. I want to, I do want to talk to you about you know what they're trying to do, not just with CMHC. So, folks, stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is Tim Serianos, and he is broker owner of Remax Ultimate and former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board and a uh, yeah a wonderful guest that's uh, been able to join me numerous times here at Simply Real Estate. And Tim, just before the break, you and I were you know talking about the idea that uh, Toronto could increase the land transfer tax, but you know I, I was dancing around the Liberal budget there for fun, and you know one of the comments, of course, was that you know do we want CMHC to actually be your partner? And uh, just for clarity, folks, CMHC, Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation, um, uh, government-based insurance, really. And one of the things that when you uh, when you have what they call a high-ratio mortgage is that you require this insurance. So that means if you're putting less than 20% down, so that's what they deem to be a high-ratio mortgage. Well, you have to get insurance in CMHC. There are a couple other providers. CMHC is the biggest provider in Canada at this time. But um, just to give you an idea, if you are putting five percent down on a property your cmhc fee is four and a half percent of that mortgage so think about that how much equity are you really playing with and now they're going to partner with you and if you're buying brand new construction they'll give you up to ten percent uh, maximum really dollars we're looking at around forty thousand dollars because your maximum allowable uh, mortgage uh, under this guideline providing that uh, you do have a maximum household income of 120,000 times four. So you're looking at 480,000 is your maximum mortgage. Tim, um, I just wanted to preface that. So, you know, if our listeners didn't really take a good hard look at those numbers, they now have a good idea. Um, 5% if you're buying resale uh, is what they're willing to give you. And, you know, we uh, we ran a simple uh, seminar um, the uh, uh, the other day and I had somebody actually put up their hand and said, oh, I think it's wonderful. And I, I, I said, why is that? And they said, they're giving you money and I said <laughs> what about the strings attached yes correct so this may help some people I I personally don't feel it's a it's a great policy to introduce I think people uh, much rather have somebody pay the insurance premium and have the equity all to themselves if they can afford so um, but four hundred eighty thousand dollar mortgage with a down payment attached to it where are you gonna buy a house for that right now uh, I mean point. you may you're not gonna help anybody in Oakville you're not gonna help anybody in Burlington you're not gonna help anybody in Mississauga or Toronto, you might help people in Gr- Grimsby. Yep. You might help people in um, parts of the East End, like far away at Coburg. Well, Woodstock. Woodstock, you know, yeah, yes. Sure. So, I mean, now you're putting people in automobiles or some form of transit, if, if it's possible, and spending more of their lifetime commuting back and forth to the city. Sure. Um, and it's, it's arguable that it will not help many people. It's, it's, it sounds great. It's a great sound bite. It's a great little title, you know. Well, However, yeah. But once you dig into it, uh, there's nothing of value that I see. I mean, I'm in downtown Toronto. That's where my brokerage is, all three locations. Best you can do is a condo. Maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The best you can do. Yeah. And a household income of 120000 Sure. And, and that's the maximum. And because you don't qualify if it's if you're up on higher, uh, that's 120,000. Yep. Two people, yep. you and know, you'd be hoping that they'd be making a little bit more money than that combined if they're downtown Toronto. Yeah. And on top of that, 
we really don't know what we're repaying. You know, they're, they're immediately saying, we're going to give this to you. And then push comes to shove. Well, we don't know how. We don't know, you know, what we're going, what our interest is going to portray. Yes. You know, one, one, one of my concerns, and, and you know, I, I, again, I mentioned this at my seminar, is the fact that uh, when we analyze it and you start thinking, okay, so you've got, you've got a partner on title. So this isn't even a guarantor of some mm-hmm. form. This is a partner on title. On so title. On title. So here's the thing. You know, a lot of people, and we know this, um, you know, you and I experience this all the time when you're when you're dealing with people that own properties. Uh, a lot of times people will require, you know, a credit line or a home line. Just, you know, they want to have something just for a safety net. Yes. So let's, let's, let's fast forward. You and I are going to fast forward for the next, you know, five years down the road. And let's mm-hmm. say the equity in that property, because roughly we're saying a max of 500000 Let's say it goes up to 600000 Okay. So does CMHC now share in the increase in value? And what if you did want to put a secured line of credit because you're going to lower your interest rate if you secure it against your home? And let's say you needed, you know, twenty thousand dollars for whatever reason. Perhaps you're going to pay off student loans, or you're going to do something. Mm-hmm. Do you now have to go get permission? Because technically, you do. If they are on title to put any form of debt on title, you're going to have to go get permission from CMHC to put your own home line of credit on your home that you're paying the mortgage for. So. If you were sorry, did I paint a bad picture there? <laughs> if you were the lender, right, would you not want to have a new application before somebody did any of the above that you mentioned? Right. So, I can't see how you have the freedom you would have today if you have a partner. Right. And that's my biggest concern. And this is why you know when when you drill it down, it, and and one of the things you know, and I really appreciate you coming on the show all the time, is because you know we see so many headlines in the news, okay. And when the budget came out, it literally they just skimmed over the top of it, and it yeah. was sort of like, look at us, folks, we're amazing, we're giving you something that nobody else has given you. Um, so let's 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 jump out to the next thing that that uh, you know they threw out, and of course they they really they're really trying to nail down the first time homebuyer. So I, I I call that the millennials, okay, because mm-hmm. a lot of times that's the age group. If we're looking between yes. age of twenty-five to thirty-nine today, and uh, here's 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 my 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 question for you is the fact that so they said, hey, listen, you can use instead of using twenty-five thousand dollars RSP, you can now use thirty-five. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the government has the same access to numbers as you and I do. At least I would hope they would, considering that the average. 38-year-old in Canada has RSPs maximum of $26,000. They didn't do anything other than saying, hey, look, at, we're going to increase the amount of debt you got to pay back in 15 years. So, you know, the whole RRSP thing, I think, I really, I think it falls with a thud because, A, they know nobody has it. But my suggestion, and, and I want you take on, your take on this, is that why would they not let the parents actually give their RSPs to their kids as down payment? I mean, it's still all secure. The government's still going to get their, their pound of flesh when they need it. Yes. But why not utilize the parents' RSPs? Well, this this has been a topic uh, with lobbying for some time to allow this to happen, and it still hasn't happened. Um, how many people do have the amount of RSP that they're they're allowing to be used? Great point you made here, Todd. Right. The third point as well is they should have increased the time to pay it back. So why have they not done that? If you're going to give the opportunity, like we're talking about, you know, household debt sure. and household responsibilities and keeping people in check. Why would you put a bigger vice grip 
on their pocket and their you know on their wallet by having to pay back an increased amount at the same time frame. Yeah. There's there's a discrepancy there. There's there's not a checks and balances you know thought process there. So in my humble opinion, they should have increased the time to pay it back. Um, I mean, increasing the amount it's about time. Sure. I mean, houses have been going, like values of, of real estate's been going up across the entire country for, you know, 20 years now. Um, it, it should have been increased. But to your point, there aren't too many people who have a lot more money in RSPs because of the um, expensive lifestyle that exists in the big centers in, in, in the country. Um, but they should have at least increased the time frame to pay it back. Yeah. But you see, going back to the family, the idea of the family contribution, um, again, the government still gets their pound of flesh. If if let's say let's say you decided that you wanted to help your kids out, you know, let's say you have, you know, I have no if, doubt if, I'll have to. I'll yeah. have I'll, I'll have yeah. no doubt I'll I mean, have to. Look, it's a reality. You and yes. I both know it. You know, we've got kids, and 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 ultimately, in the end, if they're going to have home ownership, it's going to take something extra. Yes. But you know, why not allow you know a a family RSP contribution, meaning that you know your parents they've got you know hundred thousand, let them give uh, fifty thousand of their RSPs into your property. I mean. It's see my my struggle with this is it's still secured because if 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 somebody doesn't pay it back they still have you to go back on and they're going to come and get their pound of flesh regardless. So in conversations that have been in the past, you're worried about the 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 parent not having enough money for retirement, which is an, another thought that's in there. Um, but they're still they still could have had a certain amount of money. Sure, they could they could have put a, a ceiling on the amount that could be lent out, right? Exactly, or a percentage of what your portfolio has. There's always a way around, you know, when you give it some thought, there's always a solution to every problem. Yep. So I agree that uh, I've been, you know, I'm, I'm a parent, uh, my kids, you know, I feel blessed. They're still very young. Gives me some, some time, time yeah. uh, to plan uh, moving forward. Uh, but I would love the opportunity to help my children. I, I, I mean, that's why, I mean, I have children, you know, I, yeah. I want to help them. So, uh, you know, not having that opportunity is, is a miss on the government and hopefully uh, they'll give this more thought. They'll go back to the drawing board and actually introduce something like this. Yeah. So Justin, if you're listening, uh, Justin Trudeau, of course. Yes. Uh, make sure you reach out to Tim Sirianos. Uh, you know, give him a call at the office at Remax Ultimate. And, you know, ideally, uh, I'm pretty sure that he can shed some light on what we can do. And if not, you can call me here, The Simple Investor, and I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, speaking of talking, folks, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to have more with Tim Sirianos. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're tuning in, my guest in the studio right now is Tim Sirianos, and he is broker owner at Remax Ultimate. As as well, former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, Tim. We, you know, it's always a lot of fun having you on, and you know, you know, as, as, as much as you and I can joke a little bit about the government and some of the asinine things that they're doing, and I can say that you can't, but um, <laughs> you know, when when we take a look at it, um, you know, you made a you made a good comment uh, off air to me, and and I just wanted to reiterate this. So you know, right now it seems like mortgage percentages are going to start going down a little. We know the Bank of Canada is going to pretty much hold moving rates this year. Uh, the Fed announced that. So when the Fed does, so the U.S., you know, Federal Reserve there, when they when they reach out and say, hey, listen, we're not going anywhere because we're feeling a little uneasy about the economy. And, you know, you know um, that the, uh, the Bank of Canada is also keeping an, a hard eye on it. So, you know, right now, let's say we're going neutral. We're not going to increase rates a little. So now we're starting to see some of the banks start to discount. Yes, they are. 
But the one thing you you made a great point, and I want our listeners to to pick up on that point, and it was the fact that if the banks don't change their posts, they still you still have to qualify due to the stress test for two percent over the post. So this isn't going to create an onslaught of people saying, "Hey, let's get back into the market." What's your take on the entire thing? So they need to change the posted rate. That's right. the only way it'll benefit the consumer. That's the only way it'll, it'll benefit the the, um, the borrower. Sorry. Right. So um, I've already seen uh, this happen where they uh, certain clients that we've had in the brokerage have been offered a uh, a discounted rate or like a special offering from certain banks, and they go into the office, they sit down, but they they find out very quickly that even though they have the special offering, they have to qualify on the posted rate. Or the plus two, yeah, the plus which, two, which yeah. is the OSPI rules, right? Sure. So um, until the actual posted rates change, we will not see the uptick in 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 buying power of people. So we need to see that change as well. I do forecast. I've, I've been forecasting rates going down um, for the last two and a half months. Yeah, actually, you you when last time I had you on the show, you and I talked about this, and we we actually said that you know what it's going. We're going to start seeing it ease. People are going to discount more. We are seeing the ease because what usually happens is okay. So I'm, as you said earlier, I'm on the street. So I see what's going on every day at 5 p.m. I receive a report of every single transaction that comes into our brokerage from every single one of our 240 people. So I, I get like, my fingers are right on the pulse. What the consumer sees is in April, you're going to see March. So you are already going to be three or four weeks behind, behind what we're seeing. So the first week of March started off a little bit like last year, very flat, not a very big increase. As March has been progressing, we've been seeing an uptick all the way through the entire month. So the report that we're going to probably see, especially in the past two weeks in April is that the market is showing a lot of signs of moving forward, not in a, you know, upright trajectory, trajectory, like a, like a rocket ship, but it's definitely showing a lot of positive signs. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, even if the rates drop, going back to your rate comment, even if the rates drop or if there's any type of offering on a one-on-one basis until the posted rate is changed, it will not make the impact that it needs to make to the person who's buying. So I had uh, I had Benjamin Tall on last week, CIBC World Markets. Oh, fantastic economist. Guy. Yeah, he's awesome. And Very al- smart. Yeah, always a pleasure to have him on. And, and we've had a lot of conversations over the last few years about this situation. And one of the things that, uh, you know, has come to light, obviously, is the fact that, you know, with a stress test in place, um, people that go to even just refinance their home, they have to stay with their lender. If not, if they move lenders, they now have to go under the stress test again. So we're Correct. kind of, so they're actually, they're actually almost creating a false False monopoly to any bank that currently has on their books somebody's mortgage. Very true. On top of that, you know, why would the government not put in play that you have a grandfather status? So let's say you turned around and you've had a mortgage for the last five years, you've been paying it on time. Why should you then have to go and experience that stress test? Because you've already proven that you can pay back this loan properly. Mm -hmm. And on the flip to this, and we talked about this at the seminar, is the fact that people that bought brand new construction three years ago didn't know the stress test was going to be in play. And if they close in the next year or two, they now have to qualify under the stress test. There are people walking from their 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 down payments at this point for brand new construction because they can't get financing how because you know and and, and i know listen you uh, as the you know uh, president of the treb uh, you know toronto mm-hmm. real estate board you had a uh, an ear with the government a lot of times i mm-hmm. know that they did rely on, you know how do we how do we like slap these guys beside the head and say look you guys got it wrong okay it is wrong 
Okay, I, I, I get they wanted to cool the market because there were, there were people that were kind of taking on too much debt, but ultimately in the end, they are punishing the people that actually make their payments. What is wrong as well? I have to ask. Oh, we got more, right? <laughs> we got more. Is that they've driven a lot of the, the people to BC lending at higher rates. Right. And, you know, the unregulated marketplace. Sure. There's a lot of money flowing through there. As to your point of pre-construction where people are pre-qualifying today, yes, that's a true statement. We are seeing people having to get pre-qualified three, four, five years later. Now they have a car lease they never had three years ago. Yeah. Now they have a, a line of credit they never had three years ago. Um, it could be a many, many things in their financial picture that changed that they didn't have three years ago. So people do need to change or walk, not, I won't say walk away, but they are looking at getting out of that condo purchase. Yep. So we are seeing a lot more assignments. Yep. So we are seeing assignments because people have not qualified for uh, what's the, sorry, they qualified three years ago, yeah, but now, say, they did but, but now today yep. under the new rules, they don't, and they should qualify. They yep. should qualify. I mean, I, I read it. I wrote an article uh, several weeks ago that I posted, and I said I remember uh, 1981. I remember 1989. I remember 1993, yep. 1995, and never, ever, ever did I have to qualify my mortgage, no matter what the rate was. Rates were at 14% in 1989, yep. folks. They were, they, they were at what, 19% in 1982. So you're looking at people that were not forced to qualify at 21% or at 16% back then. Yeah. And just for the listeners to understand, there's always been a stress test. There's always been a qualification requirement at a different rate. Yep. But what they've done now is they've added the posted rate and they added a plus two, yep. which never existed before. So there's always been a stress test, yep. like a plus one, we'll call it. Yep. But now they've added a plus two, and that's what's really hampered the marketplace. Yeah. There's a difference between good debt and bad debt. Yes. Household debt, when it comes to real estate, in my humble opinion, it's good debt. <laughs> yep. Bad debt is credit cards. Yep. Of course. So if they really wanted to worry about household debt, they should have tackled the credit card problem. They should have looked at that, that sector of the marketplace and seen how they can control it. Because if you go into a bank and they refinance you, Mm -hmm. And you slap on your credit card debt onto your home, yep. but you don't eliminate the line that you had, sure. the amount of money you had access to, yep. then you're going to get back into bad debt again. Sure. So there's good debt. Household debt, when you're owning real estate, when you're raising a family, it's been, it's been proven um, in every study that uh, families, uh, the, the social impact of owning a home and raising a family in it, or just own, like living in it, sure. the social, the positive social impacts are tremendous. So there's so much more to it than just money going back and forth. Yeah. You know, and, and I, those are all, you know, great points because I think that people have to understand, um, you know, the position that they're in, but unfortunately we are the only country in the world that has a stress test of 2%. Okay. Yes, we are. And and that's not something we want to be bragging about, that's for sure. Um, one other thing I just thought I'd uh, ask you, um, you know, there was the, uh, out in, there was a report done about money laundering, and I know, I'm pretty sure you saw this transparency report where they're actually claiming that they think that um, there's about $28 billion um, being hidden in corporations. And the fact is, is that a lot of people do, you know, buy in corporations. They were talking about the fact that 50% of all properties over over the price of six million dollars uh, were held in a corporation, and you know my rebuttal to that, of course, is uh, 
if I was buying a $6 million property, I would also do the same because I need to protect the asset. And of course, when we have reports like this, what everybody gets up in the arm and says, see, I told you, they're, you know, we've got money launderers, we've got foreign buyers, they're still coming in, they're still screwing the system. Um, you're again, you're, you're, you're right there. You're, you're in the heart, heartbeat. Um, what do you think of that report? I've been through two FinTrack audits as a brokerage. Yep. And I still haven't seen anything in my brokerage. We, re, we have a, re, uh, a very, very tough policy in our office. We review every single mutual release that's signed, every single check that goes into our trust account and out. I personally sign it. I know that there's no money laundering in my company. Right. So six million plus, eight million plus. I mean, show me the examples. Um, I, but, but, but they're saying because they're held in a corporation, that's the flag. And yet... You know, we encourage investors, if you're going to own multiple properties, you should hold them in a corporation. My properties are in corporations, yeah. too. Like, I mean, we can't paintbrush every single person who owns a, uh, a property in a corporation. Uh, just, just the way the account system works right. and what I've been recommended to f from my financial planner. Sure. I mean, it's not... Uh, you're removing liability for yourself personally. Uh, correct. Yes. Correct. And, and and that makes total sense. It's yeah. completely legal. Um, and, you know, people that, you know, author these kind of reports, by the way, Tim Siriano on air has agreed that he has corporations. But just, so you know, I have multiple ones because I hold all my assets that way. So yes. one asset doesn't get affected by another. So is it bunk? <laughs> is there any validity to it? Could there be money laundering? Absolutely. There's always money laundering. Absolutely. Could there be people who are using corporations that way? Sure. I mean, I came into your studio and I watched countless people change lanes without using using a signal. I watch people still texting and driving. <laughs> I've seen people without a seatbelt on. Yes, it still happens, right? Sure. However, the the extent of it happening to the what the report, I mean, I, I just don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Tim, that's one of those things. And, uh, you, you know, I just, I, I want to address it with you because again, you're you're right there and, and, and you would be somebody that would definitely see something awry and you would report it. So um, listen, you know, it's always such a pleasure having you on the show. And um, you know what, we'll stay in touch because we've got to keep our eyes on the spring market. Um, best way for people to reach out to your company at Remax Ultimate? So, I mean, uh, my email address is Tim at RemaxUltimate.com. Uh, our uh, office phone number is 416-487-5131, but RemaxUltimate.com. Yeah. I mean, you can, can, you know, contact any one of our, you know, 240 plus uh, professionals, um, inquire about our company. I'm more than happy to answer any questions. And I just want you to know that I really enjoy being on the show with you. Um, it just keeps me really close to being able to share my passion. Uh, and that is protecting the industry, which is uh, 31 years now for me. So uh, it, this industry is giving me everything in my life and I, and I value it a great deal. It's a fantastic industry. And I just want to thank you for giving me the, the opportunity. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so, so much for coming in and really appreciate your feedback. Uh, folks, that's, that's a wrap. Wow, I, I can't believe that we can blow through an hour that quickly. But of course, when you have great guests like Dave Butler and Tim Sirianos, um, you know, it's pretty easy to do. I need to thank uh, Ian and Andre. They keep it simple for me every single week. And, um, you know, and thank you for tuning in. Always a pleasure. Love talking about real estate. If you haven't gathered that, uh, and if you missed anything, go to my SoundCloud account. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. I'll be back next Saturday at 3 p.m. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.